if you have a Bible, go with me to Proverbs chapter 5. We're in a series called uh, Wise Moves in Life. If you're new to SBC, just know we, we take some time to worship the Lord together. We do that oftentimes through prayer and through singing, sometimes a little bit of scripture. But then we also have a teaching time. Our teaching time this cycle in our life is the uh, series going through the book of Proverbs. And our series has explored some of the wisest moves you could ever make in life. We open the series by saying that fearing God's a great place to start. And then pursuing wisdom is a good thing to do. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, Proverbs chapter 3. And then um, be, be a lifelong learner. That was one whole session. And then a few weeks ago, we did one on just how to guard your mouth. Anybody gotten in trouble with your mouth before? Oh, yeah. Rarely do we uh, ever regret something that we didn't say. We oftentimes regret something that we did say, okay? Um, so then there, we did a follow-up to that because your, your mouth is not just here. It could also be here through your fingertips through digital media. And so um, we talked about one whole session a couple weeks ago just on, on guarding your, your eye gate and your mouth through your hands in the digital age. Um, and then last week, my good brother, uh, Pastor Sadiq, spoke to the issue of being faithful to the Lord and if you, didn't, if you weren't here for that, you can get online and watch that message. That was a great message. But in the midst of that, he talked about being faithful in your words and in your actions. It was a great message, but he, he alluded to some things that dealt with being faithful in your commitments as in, in your marriage. And I thought, you know what? I need to do the, the marriage, the sex talk sometime in the series. So I'm going to follow up on what Sadiq did last week. So ushers, if you'll lock the doors and sound room, if you'll turn down the lights, I'll have the sex talk now. Just kidding. Yes. Um, so uh, Proverbs chapter 5 is where we're going to begin. But before I go there, uh, bow with me. Would you just ask the Lord, Lord, we, um, this is going to bring up some trepidation for some and some, it's, it's going to be eye-opening for others. For others are curious. Others are hurt by it because it's so personal. Others are carrying guilt, and, and, and Lord, we just we want to follow your path, and we can't go back, but we can go forward. So that's what we want to do today. Help us to do that. May my words that come from your word uh, seat well into our hearts. May all the other stuff just uh, burn off and fade away uh, for your glory, we pray, and for our own good. Thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Um, so before I talk about morality being a big deal, that's, that's, what, that's what this wise move is, because morality is a big deal. Uh, before you go there, just understand this. God made you. God made you. Get that down. You're, you're, you're saying, no, 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 my parents made me. No, they didn't. God made you. You're a miracle. And I talk to teenagers about this all the time because kids will say, why do I have my, the teeth or why do I have acne or why are my fingers this way or my hair this way? I, I, I don't, things I don't like, I wish I were skinnier, or fatter, or taller, or shorter, or whatever. And things they just don't like about themselves. And yet, I go, your, your genetic code from your parents, but God made you just the way you are. Just in, and he delights in his creative handiwork. You see, you, you, there was one egg and there were 15 million sperm that attacked and one found its way to that egg that make you who you are. And why does it take 15 million sperm? It's because guys won't stop and ask for directions. That's, that's why. Back to the notes, Dave. Back to the notes. He created you. You are uniquely, you had 15 million chances to be different. 
and he wired you the way you are. You think differently, you process differently. Your aptitude, you're better with language, others are better with numbers, and some are, 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 are taller and some are shorter. So it, it just, it's physical, it's emotional, it's, it's intellectual. There's all kinds of spiritual components to this. But God designed you and put you together in your mother's womb, Psalm 139. And, and then what he did is he established rules for humankind to live. And we, before you ever arrived on the face of the earth, mankind broke those rules, just broke them, broke them, broke them. And, and we lived in sin, we're conceived in sin. Therefore, when we broke those rules, that's called sin, and that sin had to be paid for in order for us to be, spend eternity with God in heaven because heaven's a, a beautiful but, but perfect place. And the only way that could happen is if someone paid for the sin. So God sends his one and only son, John 3, 16. He sends his one and only son because he loves us. He does this because he loves us. And we all have sinned, Romans chapter 3. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God that he gives to us in Christ is, Je is Jesus Christ our Lord, Romans 3, Romans chapter 6, John 3. So God sends his son not to cover his own sin, but to cover our sin, and he pays for the sin upon the cross, and when he does that, he demonstrates his love for us, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, if we trust Jesus, he says, I'll prepare a home for you in heaven, I'll, I'll have the Holy Spirit come in your life, I will help you live the way you were intended to live. So not only prepare a home for you in heaven, John 14, I'll also help you live the way you were originally designed to live. Wouldn't that be cool? Now, right now, there are some in the room who have a private panic over this topic because I, I, if I had known, I, I didn't want to come to church anywhere. I wanted to come to church and so wanted to get away. And now you're having this talk. And the reason you feel that way is because you don't want to have that talk. You don't want to hear it. You, or you're feeling guilty from the past. Or you were told lies about it as a kid. You do that as, you know, as a teenager. Your parents are, you do that, you're going to go blind. What? Well, he does it. He didn't go blind. Yeah, but he's stupid. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's stupid. He was stupid before he did that. So then you wonder, what else are your parents lying to you about? And because of the foolish choices of years, of years gone by, and as a teenager, you maybe did something. And, but it doesn't matter because when you're a teen, you know everything, right? You just, you know everything. Your parents were the biggest idiots on the block. I'm so embarrassed. Drop me off a block early. When you got to college, it was like, don't even drop me off. Just give me a car. I, I, I just, I know everything. And then when you reach the age of 30, you begin to realize they're not as stupid as you thought they were. But you, you have this regret from the past. And, and then what, what else happens is this, is there are other people who violate God's pattern, and it seems like there is no apparent, uh, there is no apparent problem with it they just seem to have no consequences to it all they just have a great life even though they're violating rule after rule after rule that god has said it just doesn't seem fair does it and so you don't want to have that talk because it just it's so conflicted i don't blame you but it's here the word of god it's in the proverbs we need to address it and it's more than just a verse it's it's passage after passage the morality piece is a big part of proverbs so the truth is this, the truth is, when God created the heavens and the earth, he created man and woman, it's called the human race. So there's one race, you've been taught there's lots of races, there's really only one race, it's called the human race. There's lots of ethnicities, but there's one human race. In that human race, uh, he creates different ethnicities, and why does he do that? Why does he have people with different cultures, different languages, different foods, different music, different, just different everything? Why does he do that? So we can see how helpless we are, and how badly we need the Savior who designed us to begin with. 
Acts says maybe that will teach us to run to the Lord, to realize that we're in over our heads. So among all of the humans, when God creates this heaven and the earth and he creates mankind, this human race, he, only, he creates also in that two sexes, male and female, just two. I just read recently about a, um, a school district that was putting together their identification forms for children to come to the school and they wanted them to identify themselves. They have 121 designations. <laughs> okay, that's a lot. When you talk about trying to save paper, you just, you just went through a bolt of it. You don't need 121 designations. You need two. It's male and female. That's it. That's all God designed. Just read Genesis. And Jesus will underscore that. The whole Testament will cover that. But Jesus will restate it. Marriage is a man and a woman. And you, you will live together and you complement each other because you're different. And that procreates, which is good. That's God's way of saying, I want the human race to continue. And then Ephesians will underscore that. Husbands love your wives. And Hebrews, the, the, the uh, marriage is good. It's undefiled before the Lord. And, and it's the basic family unit. The, the family unit is the basic small group. And, and the whole of the Bible is that way. It, you're saying, but there are times I don't feel like I'm that way. I, it doesn't feel that way. I don't feel good in a family. I don't, I'm male, but I don't feel male. I, I'm female, I don't feel female. Okay, I'm Christian. And there are days I don't feel very Christian. Can, can I get an amen? Okay, like some days my wife will say to me, like, like, you need to run to Target for me because I, you need some alone time because we can't take you in the house anymore. It's a day off. You know, we're all in the house together. We're trying to clean and do stuff, so she'll give me a list. And I won't have shaved or showered, but I had, did brush my teeth. You know, it, it was okay. And, but I'm not in a good mood, so I put a sweatshirt on, put a hat on so no one knows who I am. I go through, and then, you know what? I run into one of you. <laughs> and then I have to be nice. I have to be Christian, even though I don't feel very Christian. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. You, you're, you're Christian, but you don't feel very Christian. Yeah. Just because you don't feel it doesn't mean it's not true. Okay, you, you are that. Okay. Someone will say, okay, in the Bible, uh, why do you have to have marriage and that's it? I mean, why can't there be polygamy? Isn't there polygamy in the Bible? And uh, so I guess it's okay, isn't it? I could have like four wives. Well, n number one, you, you couldn't manage four wives. You can't manage one wife. Uh, who are we kidding? You you could never make four happy. Um, yes, there is polygamy in the Bible. And there's also, um, there's also lying, jealousy, murder, rape, plunder in the Bible. It doesn't mean it condones it. It's just stating it as fact. It's part of the history, part of the storyline. God is saying those things happen, and that's what a sinful world does. But here's the pattern. Here's the way it should be. And it's recorded that way. Some would say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Why do, you have to, why do you have to talk about morality being a big deal? It's not a big deal. I can just do what I want. Can't you let people be what they want? Just let them be free. And my answer to you is, yeah, absolutely. I don't want to tell you what to do. What I want to do is I want to tell you how God originally designed us to live. If you can get that down, I don't have to tell you what to do. Because if you read it for yourself, then it will be yours to own. You need to know that there's a God in heaven who loves you so much he gave his one and only son and he intends for you to live a certain way. And even when it doesn't make sense to you or to me, it'll make more sense in the long haul. You'll have more internal peace when you do it his way. 
And because it's such a big part of Proverbs, I can't skip it. And by the way, right now, some of you are saying, oh, good, this is my marriage ceremony, uh, session on how to have a wonderful, beautiful marriage. And I'm telling you, no, this isn't it. Friday night is it. <laughs> if you want to have a beautiful marriage relationship, come Friday night. Enjoy the dinner and the time and, and all that, the chat, and the, they'll have some videos to play. It'll be great. What I'm trying to do this morning, it isn't like... A, you know, turn up the Barry White music and have a romantic moment. No, I'm not trying to do that. What I'm trying to do is keep you from crashing and burning the relationships you're in already. I'm trying to keep you from burning your own house down. So this one is a very tough one. And, and so God designed humans as, as sexual people, and we have the, the drive for sexual relationships. That's why it's called a sex drive, not a sex suggestion. He made us male and female to be committed in marriage, and anything outside of that is a sin. So sexual relations before marriage or sexual relations in marriage with someone who's not your marriage partner, so outside of marriage, but even though you're married, or with a, a married person, or a group sex, quite the thing now, or but, but, but someone will come to me and say, but it's okay with my spouse. They're, all, they're totally good with me going and getting my satisfaction somewhere else and it doesn't matter that they're totally good with it because God is not good with it and you're saying why is that why does he say marriage is one man one woman why is that the foundation of the home with children and all of that and why is that the basic small group and I, I have to answer this I I think I know some of the answers but I, I'm fully confident I don't know all of them I do know that that intimate relationship builds a trust and a bond and a oneness and I know it models Christ's love for the church when couples give to each other with no thought of return but there could be more but even though I don't understand it all that doesn't mean I can't trust him because when I do trust him I find him to be not only right on on what he said but even better than I had hoped so before we hit the text Proverbs chapter 5 uh, there's two uh, things we have to get down and one of them is this Men, write this down, ladies, men are clueless. Okay, guys, men are clueless. Say it with me. Guys, together, men are clueless. I, I don't think you believed it yourself. Ready, guys? All together out loud like you mean it. Ready? Men are clueless. Wear it like a t-shirt. Wear, wear it like you're proud of it. We're clueless. All right? And that's not good, but, but women aren't. They're not clueless. They're very aware. They're aware of things that guys don't have any idea that are happening. Why? Because men are clueless. Women are particularly aware, and women are crafty. Women are crafty. Ladies, together, women are crafty. Uh, yeah, you didn't believe it either, did you? Together, ladies, women are crafty. And I don't mean in a store going down an aisle at a craft shop. I'm saying catty crafty. Any women in the room know another woman who is catty? Don't point to them, just raise your hand. You, you know who, you know what I'm saying? Well, she's catty. She can be, we, in our house, we have uh, four daughters, Juan and I have four daughters, and they'll talk about, they'll, the girls will talk about, she was snarky. I didn't even use that term until I had daughters. She's snarky. I don't even know what it means. I just know I don't want to be it. And I've never been accused of it. Why? 
because I'm clueless. It works for me, okay? All right, having said all that, when we break God's pattern for what he has established, it, what it does is it begins, it begins to a downward spiral. And the first is this. Sexual sin begins as delusional. Sexual sin begins as delusional. Proverbs 1, or Proverbs 5, verse 1. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. You have to pay attention. If you don't pay attention, you're going to lose out. You'll get discretion. If you just pay attention, you'll get knowledge. I understand this. Sexual sin will fool your mind. Someone will talk you into having an affair, and you will want the affair because it's mysterious, it's happy, it's, it's escape. It's better than what you have at home. And you are not thinking clearly when that happens, okay? And so you, you cannot maintain that duplicity. Uh, uh, guys will say, guys will say, uh, I know I'm caught in an affair, but let me tell you, that girl, she really loves me. She loves me the way my wife used to love me. And you know, what, you know what's happening? She's given the lines that the wife gave that guy lines 10 years earlier. But now they're busy with the home, and they have uh, jobs and responsibilities, and so now they're in down to business. And this other one says, I can give you that release over here. And, and you know what my response to that is? Yeah, and in five years, that one will be the has-been as well. Don't kid yourself. For her lips of the adulterous woman, verse 3, drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil. In other words, this is the adulterous world uh, woman. She is sweet. Her words are sweet. They are smooth. Get that? But in the end, she's like bitter gall. Sharp as a double-edged sword. They're, her words are sweet. It's flattering. She tells you what you want to hear. Boy, you really chop those numbers. You really lead the office crew. Boy, I think a promotion's up for you. You could run this company if they would just let you. She tells you things you want to hear. And somehow that your life would be better with her rather than whoever it is that you're married to. And so she listens. And she, think, and she thinks you're smart. She thinks you're good looking. She tells you all of that but it's a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, verse 5. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought of the way of her life, and her paths wander aimlessly. So she's, she's sometimes intentional, sometimes she's not even intentional. She's not, I had no clue I was doing that. She does not even know it. Guys, she'll lead you to the grave. She'll break up the marriage. She'll break up your family. Sometimes they have evil intent. Sometimes they're just wandering. They just have needs of their own. Verse 7. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep a path far from her. Run, baby, run. Do not go near the door of her house. Don't even think about that. Get proximity. Get away from that. Verse 9. Lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to the one who is cruel lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. You could unpack this for the hour. You, you, people will say, oh yeah, yeah, he's quite a guy, but he just couldn't keep it together at home. You lose the honor, verse 9. And you lose your dignity. They'll find a way to find the crack in your armor. And strangers will feast on your wealth. Why? Because you'll go broke trying to, trying to keep the affair up. And, and it will be cruel at the end. And you'll enrich the house of another. By, by the way, here's what I know. 
oftentimes when a house goes through that and there are affairs or multiple affairs and there's finally a breakup and then they finally move to a different now they can't afford they can't afford two houses they can't afford a house in an, even an apartment so now they have to all everybody has to downsize people have really great houses now are down to two small units it is a miserable life and you know what oftentimes happens they go to court at one year and then the next year they're back at court do you know what for the first time they go to court it's for divorce this next time they go to court it's for bankruptcy because one will run the other one under. There is no joy in this life. There's only payments. And by the way, the adulterous woman will be with you, guys, until you run out of that money. And then she doesn't think you're quite so smart or quite so good looking. Or she's off to another guy. Or you're off to another woman because that woman that you're having the affair with is no longer as, attra as attractive. Why? Because she caused you so much pain. Verse 11, at the end of your life you will groan. And that's just the way it is. And when your flesh and body are spent, you'll say, oh, how I hated discipline. How my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to the instructors. It'll just be regret all over. Your past will haunt you. And you'll rehearse it and rehearse it, but you cannot go back and fix it. Verse 14, and then as soon as I was in trouble I, in the assembly of God's people, drink the water from your own cistern running water from your own well. This is a Hebrew poetic way of saying, stay home. Go back to your own well. Should your springs overflow to the streets, your streams to the water of public squares, verse 16. Hebrew picture again. This is like a river. Rivers are beautiful when they're in the boundaries, right? They're beautiful. But when there's a flood, when they break the boundaries, when it's a flood, that's called a disaster, right? When it overflows the town, it's a disaster site, and it ruins everything understand this in your marriage when you stay within the boundaries it's a beautiful river you break those boundaries it's a disaster site so let them be yours alone never to be shared with strangers may your fountain be blessed may you rejoice in the wife of your youth a loving doe a graceful deer may her breast satisfy you always may you ever be intoxicated with her love. See, this is the closeness of just that man and just that woman, and it's no one else's business, and they don't even have to share it with others. In fact, I would tell you, don't put it out on Facebook. Don't put it out on social media. Don't Instagram it. Don't tweet it. It's yours that you share together. And by the way, when you do that, you set yourself up for a fall, but then secondly, you're also saying, look what we got going on, and it's hurtful to the person who's broken or is in the midst of a trauma or is living single having had someone leave them or they left them it's not helpful so why my son be intoxicated with another man's wife why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman see you are intoxicated which means what you're not thinking clearly you're not thinking clear it is delusional you're not thinking clearly you need a close friend who gets by you and says you're not thinking quite right you need to stop and think about this. For your ways are in full view of the Lord, verse 21. He examines your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of the sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they'll die. Led astray by their own follies. So sexual sin begins by being delusional. And by the way, it, write this down. Because the way you behave or act comes from the way you feel. And the way you feel comes from the way you think. And if I help you change your behavior that's good that's okay start getting a new pattern 
but it doesn't go deep enough. You have to go back and figure out what it is in my thinking that makes me feel the way I feel, that makes me behave the way I behave. Okay? Thinking prompts feeling. Feeling prompts behavior. Sexual sin is delusional. Go to the thinking level. Secondly, sexual sin is destructive. Proverbs 6 deals with three enemies that can destroy the person. It can destroy you financially, physically, morally. And people who get caught in this oftentimes get caught in scams and laziness and lust. Those seem to mingle in there as well. And, and so for the prostitute, you, you can buy a prostitute, he says, chapter 6, verse 26, for a loaf of bread. But another man's wife preys on your very life. In other words, y- you could go to a prostitute and pay off and be over if it's done. That's, not, that's bad. It's not good. But if you go break up a marriage, even worse. It will, what does the text say? Pray on your very life. This will never end. Can a man scoop fire in his lap without his clothes getting burned? Of course not. Don't think that you're the exception. Well, I know lots of other people. They can't do it, but I think I can. I can manage two wives, one secret. It, there's, it, it's not a 1% deal. Rare, rare is it that a guy can get away with it in a lifetime. So, can he do this without being burnt? No, obviously not. Verse 28, can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being torched? No. And here's the deal. Fire is not a bad thing. Fire is good. It purifies things. It cleans them up. We use it for cooking, right? We use it as a light source. Fire is good when it's managed well. But fire, when it's out of control, is going to burn you every time. And here's the way uh, one writer put it with, with this, with temptation. If you're holding it, you just strike a match, and your temptation is a match, uh, all you have to do is blow it out, right? It's a match. Whoa. And it still burns you. I mean, she still makes you twitch, right? But let's suppose for a moment the match lands on a piece of paper, and now a piece of paper is burning. Now what do you do? You drop the paper and step on it. And maybe that's where you are with temptation. It's bigger than just blowing it out. You're going to have to actually do something. But if it's a forest fire, you are not going to blow it out, <laughs> and you're not going to stomp it out. What are you going to do? All you can do is run out. And if you're at that point, then run. And you say, well, I have stuff to lose. Uh, it's gone to the fire. Just run and save your life. Why? Because sexual sin is not only delusional, it's also destructive. And so he who sleeps with another man's wife is not going to go unpunished. Verse 29, verse 32, end of the chapter. But a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. Why? Because it's not only delusional, it is also destructive. Thirdly, sexual sin is ultimately, it's deadly. It's going to kill the relationships of your life. My son, keep my words. Verse 1 chapter 7 and store up my commands within you keep my commands and you will live guard my teachings as the apple of your eye that's beautiful isn't it but the adulterous woman her house is a highway to the grave verse 27 the end of the chapter leading down to the chambers of death so you have to choose see this this morality is a big deal why because it's deadly it is deadly and what the writer does is give to us a great great word picture here he says 
You guard this. Go back to verse 1 again, 1 and 2. Keep the commands, and you will live. There's life. And you guard the teachings, and it will be like the apple of your eye. And back in that day, they viewed the core of your eye as the apple of your eye. Does that make sense? It's the center of your eye. We would call that today the pupil. And if someone were coming at you like this, like, oh, I'm going to poke him, boom, what would you do? You would squint, right? You would back up. You might turn away, right? But if he kept poking at you, what would you do? You might actually put an arm up in defense, right? And no one has to teach you that. Why? It's your eye, right? It's your eye. And you, I, I'm not giving up my eyes. This is what I see with, I don't get extra eyes. They don't grow back. Damage these eyes, I'm done. So you, by nature, just squint. You, you become very defensive. Understand this. If you will take the teaching, he says, it'll protect your vision. So I'm going to give you, this has been a very, very hard message to present. I'm going to give you four really, really great positives here to deal with the looks, okay? Because this is all about the eyes, chapter uh, 7, verse 2. And you want to be able to see really clearly. So number one, how do you restore or how do you keep the morality is a big deal. Number one, look up. Just admit, Lord, I need you. I need your commands, God. See it in verse one? I need to go back to the word. I need to know what the word says. Why? Because even when I, I don't understand it, I know it's true. And I need the word. Why? Because I see what I want to see. I see what I'm hoping to see. Uh, right now, we're pretty big on baseball, right? And uh, I don't, I'm not good at baseball, but I'm telling you what, I'm talking to the TV a lot, aren't you? That was a ball. That was way outside. What's wrong with him? That was, you know, when our guys are at bat, right? Because I see what I want to see. It's how it's delusional. So what we need is, I need to know someone who has... I don't need to have someone who's on one team or the other. I need the umpire, but I don't need an umpire who just sees it from his perspective. I need, this is, this is the great thing about God. God sees it from every perspective, and he doesn't have just wisdom. He has, he has omnivision to this thing, omnivision, and he has omni-wisdom to it. He's not going to fool around. He's not going to miss it. So he's going to tell you the truth about yourself. And the truth about it is this. And this is where you look up to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. Because Jesus was really clear. A man leave his mother and father, cling to his wife. It's marriage. Ephesians says the same thing. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loves the church. Give to each other. Um, Hebrews, marriage is undefiled before the Lord. It's, it's just great. It's all over the scripture. Um, marriage is honored by all. And, he, and, and uh, Hebrews 13, and the marriage bed is kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral, immoral. So he's really clear. I need to hear that. I need to obey it. I need to embrace it, even when it doesn't feel right. Uh, have you ever driven in the car? This is the marriage clinic right here. Have you ever driven in the car and your spouse tells you how to drive, but you've been driving for 20 years? Just me. Okay. So we were going down an interstate, and I, I'm going, click, got my blinker I'm going to take the and she'll say you know this is a clover leaf I know what's coming next it's 25 I'm trying to get down because I'm, I'm coasting but I'm trying to save gas I'm not just going to break and then gas and then have you ever gone from like 65 down to 25 it feels like you're walking 
Does it not? Like I could walk to the exit faster because you're decelerating. Because it doesn't, but that's what it takes to get around that clover leaf. And I, I get down to 35. I think that's eh, close enough. We're on two wheels. I mean, <laughs> we don't need all four. We're saving some tread. Great, per, great, great place for an amen, men. You know, amen, guys. But it's just, it just feels different. I mean, and that's the way this is. He says, I need, I need the command. I need to look up to the Lord, get the commands from the Lord, because there's times I don't feel like this is right. I'm reminded of Paul's words to Timothy. He says, you treat older men like fathers. You treat younger men like brothers. Then he says, you treat older women like moms. You treat younger women like sisters. So when you're tempted by a woman, just say, that's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's daughter, and that's I treat her like a sister. Okay? Now, I have a sister, and she's sweet. She's not, I've kissed her on the forehead before, but I don't kiss her like I kiss my wife. Just telling you. That's kind of creepy, isn't it? Just think about that. She's my sister. I mean, this is one of those things that's good news, bad news, right? Good news is, son, you get to go to the prom. Bad news is, you have to take your sister. Nah, I don't want to go to prom. I think I'd rather stay home, mow the yard. Yeah. It's my sister. So, so in light of what the scripture's saying, you may not always feel that way. That, well, you just need to know what does God really say? So, so when I, you're tempted... Just realize that's somebody's daughter. When you're tempted, ladies, you look at that guy, that's somebody's son. That guy comes from a home. Do I really want to ruin that home to fulfill my emotional basket? No, I don't think so. Treat them as a brother. Treat them as a sister. So number one, look up. Number two, look away. Look away, pay attention to where your eyes are going. At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. It, by the way, in, in Hebrew literature, that verse, I saw, a young, I saw young men and a youth who had no sense, that's called a redundancy. Okay? Why is that? Because if he's a youth, he has no sense. He has no experience. He has no backup battery to his life. Nothing. Because right, he's not been down this road before. It's all fresh and new. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. And then the woman comes out to meet him. Verse 10. And she's dressed like a prostitute. And why doesn't he know that? Because he's clueless. He's a guy. He doesn't have any idea. And what is she? She is crafty and intent. And we're not talking about a craft store where she's buying yarn and buying cra and, and uh, tongue depressors to make a... A project for Thanksgiving. No, not a craft shop. Crafty like sneaky crafty. The young man has no sense at all. And she is catty crafty. So pay attention to what's going on. And if you have to, if you have to get away from it, get away from it. Move your office. Put in for a transfer. If you have to change your phone number, you have to change your pattern. Because here's what happens. She'll tell you what you want to hear. She'll compliment you on the job. Then you'll go to lunch. That's why you need the buddy who says, you went to lunch with her last week. Don't go to lunch with her again. Why? Because that's how it starts. Oh, it's, 
no, we're just friends. That's how it starts. Don't let it start. Look away. Guard your eyes. Thirdly, ask yourself when you look inside, what are the triggers? What needs guarding? With persuasive speech or words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once he follows. And it's, it's interesting. He's, the text says, follows like an ox going to slaughter. He's going to be killed in this deal. He doesn't know it's going to cost him his life. So you look up, God, I need you. You look away, you pay attention to what your eyes are looking at. You pay attention to your setting, your surrounding. Thirdly, you look inside, what are my triggers? What is it that I look for? But then fourth, look ahead. How do I want this life to end? What's going to be my story? What, what do I want at the end of my life? Because her story is, chapter 7, verse 27, a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. That's where the affair is going to go. That's where the immorality is going to go. But you can choose a different path. And so I backed it up to chapter 5, to the start of our study. May her fountain be blessed. May your fountain be blessed, chapter 5, verse 18. And may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. You get to pick. You get to pick either I'm going to take the path of brokenness and despair and regret and disaster and pain and distrust. I can pick that and bitterness all wrapped up. Or I can take this other, which is rejoicing in the wife of my youth and finding virtue and hope and forgiveness. You get to pick. You get to pick how your story goes. Um, before I go, I, I wanted to show you just a video clip of a guy. In fact, uh, we're going to use some of his material Friday night. His name is Michael Jr. He's a comedian. He was doing some shows in Anaheim. He did a multiple sets of, of shows. I love him, and you can YouTube him and watch him. But I wanted to play just one clip because he got in front of a guy who had an opportunity to make a decision, and he made the right one. And Michael helped him with this. What happened was this. After his show, Michael was doing some signings, and he saw this one guy uh, young adult man standing off to the side and he's holding coats for other people and there was a little girl standing next to him and he goes hey guy who's the little girl is it your daughter he goes no it's not my daughter he says it's my girlfriend's daughter oh yeah Michael knows this girl this little girl loves that guy she can he can see it very perceptive Michael takes the guy to the side and says you know she's in love with you and the guy says I love her mom and Michael says, well, then put a ring on it. He goes, I, I don't know what to do. Michael Jr. is a comedian, not a theologian. He goes, I know what to do. You stay for the next show. Well, we're, we're going to make this an event, you know? And so, well, play the video and you'll take a look. Three couples that just stood out for me. They told me their story. I was so touched by their story. They probably aren't even fully aware of this, but I would love it. I, I know that they're here because I got them some tickets and I put them in a, like a certain section. All right, here's how we're going to use these decoy couples. I'm putting the audience under the impression that I'm just bringing them up because they were at a different show and they were moved by it. Because again, at my shows, there's funny, but the name of my recent tour is called More Than Funny. So I want to talk to these couples and see how they might have been inspired or whatever. But what I'm really doing is I'm creating a pattern in the audience's mind, also in Allison's mind, on how this works. So first thing I do is I talk to the woman, right? And, and then I talk to the guy. Is there anything you want to say to your wife? Establish that with couple number one. Move to couple number two, talk to the lady, and then say to the guy again, is there anything you want to say to her? Boom, he says what he has to say. The pattern is set in the audience's mind, 
but more so in Alice's mind as well. Now, it's time to talk to the real folks. You guys are over here. All right, cool. Beautiful. So, um, so here's the thing. I clearly told Jamie we're going to have three couples up. Couples mean two. Jamie brings up the little girl. What is the little girl doing on stage? I don't understand. The plan was clear. You're not a truple. It's a couple, not a truple. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love kids. In fact, I used to be one. Kids are unpredictable. You don't know what they're going to do, how they're going to respond. <sighs> so what did, you, what did you think about the message today? He's hard to receive. He doesn't receive things well, but the message that you gave him just shook him and the way he received it had an impact on me. So it helped me receive. So at this point, I can clearly tell by the look in Allison's eyes, she has no idea what's going on. I'm also doing the math on the audience and they don't have a clue either. Now, the question is, because Jamie is still looking a little nervous, is he gonna follow the instructions? Our biggest punchline, our truest punchline is for that brother to bend the knee and drop down. So with regards to the message and what we talked about, is there anything that you wanted to say to her? Yeah. Saying. <laughs> Clarity, I'm the one that told him that he should bring a little girl. It was it was my idea. I just Yeah, so dude, here's what was dope. The fact that you turned to her is so awesome. And and that is just huge, dude. You are already a phenomenal dad. You've got to recognize that. You've got to recognize that. Yo, one of the things I enjoy most about this story is the fact that Jamie, admitting that he was fearful, he didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, decided to step up and do what he knew was right. He decided, yep, I'm going to be a husband and I'm going to be a father to some people who really need me and I care for. I have a heart for fathers and even kids who don't necessarily have a father-like one around. Fellas. In what area, in what relationships are you in right now that you're not stepping up and being fully committed? And what can you do to turn that around? How you wanna live? You wanna live with fear or you wanna live bigger? You wanna step out there and get it done. I'm out. Don't forget to subscribe. Okay, so you know um, those other people. So you get to write the, the story to your own life. And you can catch this video. It's called Michael Jr. Just, just YouTube Michael Jr. Marriage. You can catch this. This is actually an eight-minute video. We had to clip it down for this morning. But um, beautiful set, isn't it? You get to decide, do I want the path of death or do I want the, the, the fountain of life? And you get to write your own story. And um, so morality is a big deal. It really is. That's the wise move in life. So Father in heaven, as uh, we bow our heads here, we tell you... Uh, thank you for your word uh, preserved through the ages and now Lord uh, it's our time with our heads bowed and our eyes closed I'm not going to ask for any movement or anybody to respond in any particular way I just know someone in the room would say 
uh, oh God, I, I've been confessing the sin from five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And God is saying to you right now, uh, I don't know what you're talking about because I forgave it back then. Give it up. And if the Lord can forgive it, then you can let it go too, okay? And maybe this is the mark right now, right here, where you say, okay, God, I'm moving on, and I'm not going to go back and look back anymore. Others in the room would say, you know what? There's some stuff I'm struggling with, and it's, it's fire in my hand, and I need to drop it or step on it or run from it. And you know it. You know who you are, and I'm not asking you to do anything. I, just, I know this. The more severe the temptation, the greater you need to change your thinking. So you're going to say, okay, God, give me, the, give me the scripture, give me the insight, the truth, but give me a, a buddy, a friend, a girlfriend, a guy friend, someone who's going to help me just to, to be honest with myself because I'm, I'm struggling with that. And that's an okay commitment to make right here, right now. And then, Lord, we pray too. I pray most of all for the third category of person is the person in, in the room right now who says, you know what? I'm glad to hear this sermon, but that's never going to happen to me because uh, I'm immune to that. And that's the one that scares me the most, Lord, because let him who thinks he can stand take heed because that's the one that's going to fall. And it always shocks us. But Lord, I don't want to be in that spot. I, I don't want anybody in this room to be in that spot. So stir within our own hearts to make us aware that we are, none of us are immune. All of us need to guard our hearts because all of us want to run with, with patience the race set before us. And we want to keep our eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And because of that, Lord, we want to run well and finish well to your glory. And I thank you for these dear people, your love for them, your incredible love to give to us this word today. In Christ's name we pray these things.